Hi, and welcome to Dollars and Making Sense, a weekly program about finance, money, and investing. I'm your host, Ray Treveson from OTG Capital, and this particular broadcast is on Radio Northern Beaches and broadcast nationally around the Community Radio Network. Now, I'm really pleased to welcome to the microphone for the first time today, uh, Justin from the um, communications division sorry i'm a bit tongue-tied there but the communications division of services australia now we got approached by services australia to come on to the show uh, because we have gone national now so we're really pleased about that justin welcome to the show thank you so much for having me ray it's great to be here Wonderful. Now, listeners, one of the things that Justin and I have agreed to do is actually have Justin back on the show on a regular basis, because one of the things, Justin, that I keep on saying to the listeners is that our government is actually a wonderful source of really reliable information, isn't it? There is an awful lot of information to help your listeners. Uh, And yeah, we do what we can to make sure that information is out there because we want people to make the best decisions that they can make. Uh, certainly for their retirement and to be comfortable in retirement and Services Australia uh, and CenturyLink has a large role to play in that. Now, I I guess you probably get accused of this a lot, but when you come to a microphone or to a a television studio and you say, hi, I'm from the government and I'm here to help, um, do you get a little bit of a snicker and and a snide remark about that every now and then? Uh, No, I don't like to think so (laughs) because, I mean, realistically it is. The nice thing about being part of the government is that our focus is on the person there's no um there's no hidden messages behind what we're trying to do here we're just trying to give information out to your listeners to our customers so that they can do the best with the information they've got there's no concern about am i going to get any money out of it is there any hidden agenda going on it is just simply we've got things that we need people to know about we want to make sure they get that information to them so knowing that it's an impartial, simple as service that we provide it is really respected by my listeners. Wonderful. And and I'll say to you as well, Justin, one of the things that <clears throat> we tell people on Dollars and Making Sense all the time is to go to Money Smart, which is uh, a government-run website. I keep on bashing it, bashing it, bashing it, saying it's a really good service because it's done by the government. And as you rightly say, there's no conflict of interest there. It's all good facts, good information that they can rely upon. And I, I point people there all the time, even though I run an investment firm myself. Uh, if in doubt, I say to people, please go to you know what you believe is a trusted source. So look, one of the reasons that um, you, you approached us and we're really happy to have you on the show is that there's been a lot of changes that have occurred on the 1st of July uh, with regards to Social Security and Centrelink payments. And I actually covered it off in a, in a couple of programs uh, at just as the financial year ticked over. But I think it's really good uh, to say, as they, as they say, to have it from the horse's mouth. So we're going today, ladies and gentlemen, about income tests for uh, pensioners, assets tests for pensioners, and probably the most important and probably one of the most underreported things, I must say, is that the pension age has actually gone up from the 1st of July, hasn't it? Yeah, that's right. So... Uh, from the 1st of July, uh, in order for you to be eligible for an age pension, you now need to be 67 years of age. Now, it's important to say that this is the last stage in a process that started in 2017. So it's taken us six years to get here. We're moving gradually the age pension age from 65 uh, for men and women till now 67. And what it practically means is that if you are born on or after the 1st of January 1957, you actually now need to be 67 years of age to be age pension age, which means that 
you need to wait, realistically, if you bought on the 1st of January 1957, you'll need to wait till the 1st of January 2024 to be able to lodge an application for the age pension. But in saying that, uh, one of the things a lot of people don't realise is that you're actually allowed to lodge an application for the age pension up to 13 weeks before you turn age pension age, ah. which means that you can actually apply, roughly doing my maths, end of September, beginning of October. Uh, and we do encourage people to do that because what that allows you to do is to hopefully get a lot of the back background processing done before you actually turn age pension age. So a lot of the hard work is done, a lot of the uh, documents that you need to provide are provided and the processing is done so that hopefully when you do turn age pension age on uh, from January 2024, it is a very simple process for the pension to actually start and you start getting those payments. So you just get, I mean, it's the same amount of money, but you just get it that a little bit sooner. If you lodged when you turned age pension age, then you'd have to wait for all that processing to happen for us to backdate the payment for you. So it, it makes your life easier if you can lodge up to 13 weeks beforehand. Okay, so that's a good key message to give through and a nice takeaway for our listeners is that if you believe you're going to be eligible for the pension, lodge early. As they say with voting, you know, lodge early, vote early, vote often, you know, same sort of thing. But look, I guess, Justin, one of the things that really surprises me, uh, given the media landscape, you only have to look towards Europe that there was rioting in the streets in France recently when uh, Macron uh, announced at that time that they were raising the pension age from 60 to 62, I think it was, either 61 or 62. Well, the French were having none of that and they were out there and absolutely going ballistic because they were raising the age from 60 to 62. We went without a whimper. Nothing was said. Uh I'm, I'm really not in a position to comment on what the public have been doing. But what I would say is that, first of all, uh, this is not a new change. Now, as we've been projecting this, we've been talking about this since 2017. So I've been, the government has been very clear, Services Australia has been very clear that this is just one in a process of changes. So it really should not be a surprise to anybody that age pension age is changing because you could have, we told you in 2017 that this was eventually going to happen. Uh, the other thing to remember about the Australian system that is different from a lot of other countries is things like superannuation. Uh, that ability to build up your own wealth means that there's less, hopefully less people that are so reliant on a pension, which means that they are able to create their own capacity to look after themselves. Uh, and one of the things people often talk about is that age pension age, they get age pension age in retirement making them the same thing, and they're not the same thing. Uh, if you're in Australia, you are able to retire whenever you have the financial resources to do that, whenever you feel that you've got enough in the way of income and assets to give you the retirement lifestyle that you're after. Now, the pension may or may not be a part of that. Uh, in fact, it might be that, you know, if you're 55 and you've got all the wealth that you need to retire comfortably, then nobody says you've got to keep working. Uh, and if you're at 67 and you don't feel that you are ready yet, there's nothing that says you have to stop work at that point. In fact, there's a lot of government services to support you to continue working from 67 if that's something that you want to do. So change in age pension age only means that's the change in the date when a person is able to claim an age pension. They can stop work whenever they feel that their resources their assets is super, give them the ability to achieve the retirement lifestyle that they want. Now, Justin, please believe me, I wasn't trying to entrap you with a, a politically charged question. It's just that at times when you are talking about public policy, uh, it can venture down that path. And I'm not trying to entrap you. Please you know, don't get me wrong. One of the things that I'm very keen 
for people to, I guess, when they're listening to this show, is engage. And I guess that's one of the things why I made that comment. It's not necessarily to uh, solicit a, a reaction one way or the other. It's just it was a surprise to me that even when the announcement was made back in 17, not a lot was said at that time. And so we've had this gradual process of increasing the age by six months gradually, as you've rightly pointed out. Now, we're going to talk a little bit more about um, assets and income tests because, uh, as you've rightly pointed out, and one of the stories that we keep on plugging here on Dollars Making Sense is super being the gift that keeps giving. And, I mean, I keep on – I've got – three 20-something-year-olds uh, living under my roof, and super is an important element of what's going to be keeping them sustained in their dotage uh, long after you and I have departed the mortal coil. And so I, I guess from that perspective, it's a holistic message that I, I keep, I guess, plug plugging on about. I, I work around a lot of financial planners, and I think it's a, a good truism that if in today's environment you are solely relying on an age pension, woe be you, because it's not a huge amount of money, is it? Uh, the age, the purpose of the age pension is not to be the only income. It, it's it's a safety net. It is there for people that don't have enough income and assets to make sure that they still have some form of income from the retirement. It was never in, really intended to be the comfortable lifestyle generator. It's meant to be that safety net concept. Uh, but in order to work that out, there are these income and asset limits to determine how much pension that you get. Uh, and it is important to say that with those changes to limits, you can have quite a significant amount of assets and income and still qualify for some part rate of the age pension. So it can easily form part of a retirement income strategy without necessarily having to be the majority of it. And as your financial circumstances change, then as you deplete the rest of your resources and you may use up the superannuation as you get older, then your pension eligibility builds up and, and you may receive more from the government as an ongoing way of supporting that retirement income that you're after. I think you make an incredibly valid point there, Justin, because one of the things that I keep on harping to people again around with super, super is there designed to keep you in a standard of living after you've retired. It's not meant for intergenerational wealth transfer. And I think one of the real positives of the incoming government is that they're now legislating the purpose of superannuation. I think that's really important. But we're going to cover off income and asset cess after the break. But I wanted to cover off context because I think context is really, really important. We talk a lot about you know, the age pension and eligibility and people's rights. And I, I, I've listened to many discussion groups where people stand up and very vociferously defend their right to a pension. But the, the context has changed so dramatically. At the turn of last century, the average age of living was roughly 62. It ain't that anymore. <laughs> it's roughly 85 for women and 82 for men. And so, you know, the expectation that there's a, a government check sitting at the end of the rainbow, I really, you know, we've had to dilute that over you know, decades, haven't we? And I, I think this uh, movement of the age pension is simply a none and one, none and one of those, I guess, benchmarks that we need to move as people are living older, don't you think? Yeah, that's right. The the purpose of part of the purpose of changing age pension age was to acknowledge the fact that people will be on their pension for a very long period of time and recognising that, you know, this is all taxpayers' money that's funding this. So the pension that you receive is the taxes that somebody else is paying on your behalf. Uh, and from a pension perspective, it is, again, it's that idea of it's a safety net. So it's not that something that you will universally get and receive if you're an Australian. Uh, it is if you meet the eligibility criteria for being able to receive that, which we're going to 
talk about after the break. So there are requirements in order for you to meet the eligibility to get a pension, uh, how long you've lived in Australia, Australian residency requirements are part of it, but your income and assets is also a significant part to make that pension payable. So there are going to be people uh, who will not uh, ever be eligible for a pension. Uh, and as far as, I mean, that's a great place to be. You know, it means that you have, <laughs> you know, millions of dollars worth of assets, not including the family home. It's, it's You've got the freedom to do whatever you want. So if you had a pension eligibility, that's perfectly fine. If you don't have a pension eligibility, then enjoy the assets that you do have and, and live. And this is really what it comes down to, try and achieve the lifestyle, which I was talking about beforehand, the lifestyle that you're trying to do. I now, for some people... More. That's going to be very different. You know, some people's idea of a great retirement is to uh, drive a combi van around Australia and try and fish in every lake in the country, whereas <laughs> other people's idea of retirement is to fly overseas to visit the kids in England every two years. Now, obviously, your capital requirement for achieving both of those retirement lifestyles is going to be different. It's not that one is better than the other. It's personal preference. It's all about when you're, when you're building wealth, it's all about getting the assets to generate the retirement lifestyle that you're after using those assets to be able to enjoy that retirement lifestyle. And the age pension may or may not be part of that process. Wonderful. Justin, we're at uh, time now for a break. You're here on Dollars and Making Sense here on Community Radio Network and Radio Northern Beaches. I'm with Justin from Services Australia, and we'll be back in just a moment. Hi, and thank you for listening to Dollars and Making Sense, a weekly radio program about finance, money and investing on Radio Northern Beaches and nationally on the community radio network around Australia. The views, comments and opinions aired during our program should not be construed or viewed as financial advice. Any commentary is general advice only and does not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. You should consider whether the advice is suitable for you and your personal circumstances. If in doubt, you should contact an authorised licensed financial planner. We welcome questions and feedback and you can get in touch with us via our blog, social media channels or email. Please search for Dollars and Making Sense in your favourite podcast platform or check out our blog at otgcapital.com.au forward slash blog. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Dollars and Making Sense, a weekly program about finance, money and investing. I'm really pleased to have at the microphone today Justin Hobb from Services Australia. We are talking about age pensions. And before we went to the break, Justin, we were talking about income and assets tests. Now, uh, some people may not know what that actually means. So I always like to break things down to first principles. Can you explain sure. to the listeners what an income and assets tests is and how that applies to whether they're eligible to get an age pension or not? So part of the criteria for age pension is to be of age pension age, which we've already spoken about. The other requirement is that you need to meet the, you need to be under the income and assets test cutoff points in order for a pension to be paid. So what we mean by that is, that when we look at everybody's pension eligibility, every day we test what is their accessible income and what is their accessible assets. So there are actually two different tests. One looks at how much income that you're generating. The other one looks at how much you own or the level of assets that you have. And based on those tests, we work out how much pension you may be. If you are under the cutoff points, there is a certain point where you're eligible for the full pension. We, we call that the income-free area or the assets-free area, where if your income and assets are under those limits, you're eligible for the full rate of pension. And then uh, as you earn more or as you own more, the pension starts reducing. So it's a sort of sliding scale as the pension starts going down. So the more you have, 
the less pension you get until eventually you lose eligibility. Now, by, by saying that means basically the pension can't be paid because either you earn too much or you own too much. Now, that's you a good only, way of putting it. That's a good yeah, way of putting it. You only have to be ineligible for one. So um, the way that it works is we look at the your assessable income and we look at your assessable assets and depending on which one is actually going to give you the lower pension rate is the one that we use. So you may be eligible for... Uh, say $400 a fortnight because of your accessible income, but only $200 a fortnight because of your accessible assets. So we will pay you the $200 a fortnight because you are assets tested. You're not um, you're not income tested because the effect of the income isn't actually what's determining the rate of payment. Uh, in the same way, you may be eligible for $400 a fortnight because of your income, but no pension because of your assets. You actually won't get a pension because you haven't passed the assets test. You, you're not eligible for pension because the amount of assets you own are too high and pension is um, not going to be payable. Now, in saying that, it's always worth, there's a couple of contexts that you need to say. So the first one is the family home. So if you own the family home, for most people, by far the majority of people, that is not an accessible asset. So it's not included when we look at how much you own in the form of assets. Uh, yeah, so when we're looking at the assets test and we're talking about a homeowner, don't include the value of your family home in that assessment. That, that, that's a huge element to actually not be in the, uh, I guess, calculator when you think about it, and in particular given how much real estate is first and foremost on so many people's minds in this country. By taking that out of the assets test, that must be a huge relief for, I guess, many, many would-be and, and current pensioners, wouldn't you say? Well, I'm a Northern Beaches boy, as are you. And um, <laughs> uh, if the family home was actually going to be assessed for pension eligibility, there would not be many people eligible for a pension on the Northern Beaches. Nah. Because that is a big asset. But um, that's not what we're looking at. Uh, there are other things you can do with a home to help generate uh, um, some form of income you can borrow against it. But from a pension purpose perspective, uh, when we're looking at the assets test in particular, uh, unless you are actually actively trying to generate an income from your home. So what we're talking about is, you know, if you're running a business from it, you might be doing a better breakfast out of it, uh, you run an office out of it. So unless you're using some of the home to generate an income, uh, it is an exempt asset and won't come into play when it comes to the assets test for pension purposes. I, I, I might just quickly ask there, does that include things like homestays and the the, the internet businesses like Airbnb and the like? Is it, Would that impact somebody's pension payments? Uh, they're a bit different. So homestay is when you have, uh, we're talking about the students, the homestay students. Actually, yeah. Yeah. So if you have a homestay student um, and you only have one, the way that it works is that the, basically you are paid not just to provide accommodation for this student, you're actually paid to do pretty much everything for that student. So from a Services Australia's perspective, if you have a homestay arrangement itself, there isn't actually any accessible income from that one and there's oh. no accessible assets, so it makes no difference. But there's the um, um, oh, the more that you have, the more chance of profit that you might be making. So if you are running three homestay students at the same time, that's a different story. Okay. Uh, but if you only have one homestay student, and we're basically assuming every dollar that comes in is immediately going out, then none of it's accessible income for a homestay student in particular. If you have something like a bed and breakfast while you are providing um, a board or lodging, maybe lodging in a meal, then it's a proportion of how much you receive may be accessible income. 
But under those circumstances, there often isn't an asset. It's just the value, potentially the income. So the more that you provide in the way of services to the person that's staying at your place, the less income you're going to have because basically it costs you more to have them. So if you're providing the majority of the meals and things for that person, there's not actually much accessible income that will come out of that. We're not thinking that you're making much profit. If all you're providing is a room, uh, then actually you're not doing very much. It doesn't cost you very much to make that happen so that you'll have more accessible income from that as well. Different story if you're renting out part of your home, though. So if you have a self-contained unit as part of your home and you're renting that out, then not only would you have the potential profit, but also you're creating an asset there. Part of your home is now being used to generate an income, therefore there is a potential asset there. What I would really suggest, uh, and this is for anybody that is thinking of doing anything about generating an income from the family home, is the best people to speak to is actually Services Australia's Financial Information Service. So the Financial Information Service is a free service provided by Services Australia. It's an information-only source to help explain uh, a lot of about retirement investment assets and how they might have an impact on your payment. So if you are thinking of doing things like using the home to generate an income, really give us a call first before you do anything so you understand the rules you're getting yourself involved with and how that could affect your pension. And the way to speak to the Financial Information Service is to give us a ring on one three two three double zero, that's one three two three double zero, and say financial information service when you ask for the reason for the call. You'll get to one of our offices for a free uh, and impartial information only service to help answer the questions for you. Well, we love free on this show. I've got to say, I always love pointing people to free resources. Uh, and I think that's fabulous because, again, I think people need to be clear. They're not going to get advice. They're simply going to get factual information. And I, I always make that definition, and even in our disclaimer, listeners, that you may or may not actually listen to very closely, but we are very clear that on this show we give advice only. We're not, you know, for a general advice only and information only. We don't know your particular circumstances. And I think, Justin, you make a great plug there for a free information services that you can call up services australia now it sounds like they're going to get prompted by uh, a machine so you know it's a voice activated machine why are you calling so you're asking for what was it again say financial information service when they ask and that will Bingo. put you onto the track to speak to a financial information service officer. wonderful now, whilst we've been chatting, I've actually got up on one of my screens here um, the fact that the the limits for pensions and park pensions, there's a lot of variables there about whether you're married or not married and whether you are in your own home or not. Can you explain to the listeners some of those variations as well? Yeah, so when we're looking into pension eligibility, the first criteria, obviously, if you're a single person or a member of a couple. Uh, now, I will say, if you're a member of a couple, it's not if you're a member of a couple, one of you is on a pension and it's not. If you're a member of a couple, you're a member of a couple. It doesn't matter whether both of you are applying or not. You're defined as a couple. Uh, but we also look at the fact of whether you're defined by Services Australia as owning your own home or not owning your own home. Uh, and if you own your own home, the income and assets test is actually a little bit lower, or the assets test in particular is a little bit lower. You're allowed to have a bit more in the way of assets if you don't own the home that you live in. So there's a higher assets, okay. uh, higher assets-free areas higher assets as cutoff points if you are a non-homeowner uh, than it is if you're a homeowner. Now, in saying that, there are circumstances where you might think that you're not a homeowner, but you are defined by Services Australia as being one. 
Uh, and in particular, that's we're talking about retirement villages here. Ah, I was going to say, in what circumstance? Yes, thank yeah, you. So the, the big one where is a retirement village, uh, and it may be that you you know you don't own the property, you don't own the land, but when it comes to a retirement village, it's about how much you paid to get into that retirement in the first place that determines you determines you as being a homeowner. Okay. Uh, and the actual figure is two hundred forty-two thousand dollars as of the first of July. So if you paid more than $242,000 to get into that retirement village, then you will be defined by Services Australia as a homeowner and we won't count the amount that you paid as an asset. So it will be exempt against you uh, as if you did own a unit worth that value. But that sounds good then, doesn't it? It sounds good though. That that sounds like a good uh, policy. Yeah, well, I mean, consider, again, considering the value of retirement village units, then yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a big a big benefit around the northern beaches for sure in the fact that um, the value of the amount that you paid, that lump sum that you paid, won't count towards your pension because you're determined to, determined to be a homeowner and that's an exempt asset, as if I owned my own home for $700,000 and that's an exempt asset. If I pay $700,000 to get into the retirement village, I'm a homeowner, that's the exempt asset. And I guess one of the clear things that we've got to say to people, go to the websites because, I mean, I've be, just been browsing through before and during while we're chatting. <clears throat> There's a, a myriad of really good stuff in there. I guess what always surprises me, given the disparity between rural, regional and capital city real estate, I know when I lived briefly in the UK when I was in the armed forces, they used to have a greater London allowance because London was always so much more expensive than anything else. Do you see the day that that might be considered here in an Australian setting or are we still, you know, it's just one one setting right across the entire country? Uh, Ray, um, I will leave that up to the politicians to make nah. those sorts of things. No, nah, fair uh, enough. It's an interesting point. For, what for I will say, though, later on. just because you are talking Australia-wide, is that we actually have the, the opposite. We have what we call in a remote area allowance, which ah. is basically, you know, if people live and Northern Beaches, this is not Palm Beach we're talking about. We're not a remote area because we live with Palm Beach. We are talking about when it takes you to, uh, you know, and half an hour to get to your driveway and then you've got to get to your local town from there. Yeah, it's that sort that's of remote, place yeah. where you are so far away from the home. There is an actual payment that's called the remote area allowance that goes with that. Um, you know, we, we take when you're lodging an application to, for, and you live in those sorts of areas, we will take care of that for you. But, no, it's the exact opposite of what you're talking about from something that London is doing. Well, look, Justin, we're just about out of time. I've got to say, I'm really going to welcome you back uh, on the show again. There's just so much that we can cover off. Uh, when I look through uh, even the bits of Service Australia website that I've been browsing this morning whilst we're chatting, I've got to say there's a lot of really good meaty content you and I can get into uh, without necessarily getting down a rabbit hole of politics or whatever. And I again, I apologise. It's sometimes inextricable. But Justin, from Services Australia, I'd like to thank you so kindly for being on the show. My pleasure. And there's just one other thing that I want to say before we head off, and that Please. is because there was a change to the income and asset limits, there may well now be people on the first day who were not eligible for a pension on the 30th of June. So, yeah, yes. go to Services Australia's website, servicesaustralia.gov.au. Either click on the, the panel in front that says ageing or go directly to age pension, servicesaustralia.gov.au forward slash age pension. Look at the new income and asset limits that are there. And if you are one of those people who are now eligible for a pension, uh, go through the process of lodging that application to see what you might be eligible for. Thank you so kindly for your time today, Justin. We look forward to welcoming you again. And that's it from us at Dollars and Making Sense. Thanks for listening in. And until next time, adios. Adios.